Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Well, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Thank you for braving the storm. I know if, if, if any of you have lived outside of California, this is not a storm. This is just a little spritzer and uh, all of that. And, but, you know, I just I love the news. Stormwatch, 2019. But isn't it kind of strange? It's not supposed to rain now. It's supposed to be sunshiny and into the hundreds or 90s. We love that. But it's just kind of a strange time of the year. But we're excited about it. Is what, my name is Mike. Welcome uh, this morning. And uh, glad you could be here. One of the pastors here. And welcome to our online community. By the way, that community is growing. And I'm sure that some of you who are there you would be in here unless the storm took you away. So, well, you know, us California drivers in the rain, it's not a pretty picture. But uh, it is a fun and an exciting time of the year. Yes, a little bit scary, not because of the storms, but a bit daunting, uh, but a time of new adventures. Uh, not just that summer is coming, but for many, this is a time of year that brings on momentous life change. Uh, couples getting married. Uh, I just uh, online, a friend of mine, uh, his daughter got married just yesterday, and and that couple is now taking on a new identity as a married couple. And and not only that, there's great transitions like kids graduating from kindergarten. Now, you may not that think that's a big deal, but it is a big deal because they're taking on a new identity as a first grader. Scary, but exciting, right? Also, children from elementary school are moving on to that interesting new identity of junior high. Now, that's scary. Uh for all of us, no, but it's exciting. But uh, then from junior high to high school, uh, taking on yet another identity, moving on in physical and emotional and spiritual maturity. Students are graduating from high school, taking on the reality of college life and the identity of young adult. And some are graduating from college and, woo, woo yeah, there you go, and, uh, and, and, and tr- grad school and trade school and on into a new identity of now an educated adult with greater expectations, greater abilities, greater capacities to move on in the life God has for us. Now, most all of us have made at least a few of these identity shifts around this time of the year. It's a fun and exciting time of the year, for in these adventures there is change uh, and new choices. New choices being made because now we take on a a new identity, a a new reality, a new hope. But there is another more life-changing identity shift many of us have already taken or are exploring where we are growing into a new identity, a new reality, a new hope. It's the exciting faith choice to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, We sense sometime before that choice, that there was something missing in our life. We, we weren't sure what it was, but as we began to learn, we got that it was what we're missing was a connection with God. We desire to have a deeper, more personal connection with God. But as we learned and explored, we found out that there was something holding us back from that connection with God. And the Bible is clear about that. It's called sin. That sin stops us 
from uh, getting to know God, from, from exploring who God has created us to be or making it into heaven, and, and sin has stood in the way. But then we learned uh, that Jesus dealt with sin's shame, sin's consequences, and sin's power through his death and resurrection. And what we do to benefit from that is to believe. And we learned that to belief is more than just simply knowing. It's actually a trust in. And we were trusting in Jesus to deal with our sin. And, and we made that decision of faith. And we came into a new identity, a new reality, a new hope as one of God's, as one of God's children. And the Apostle Paul, in his teaching in the Roman church through the Bible book of Romans, he's been talking about that new identity, new reality, new hope, and this new life as a follower of Jesus. And Paul now brings up, as we are now moving along in our study in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, this, this uh, uh, key truce to bring on this new identity, new reality, and new hope. For experiencing God as Father readjusts life to thrive now and on into the future. But how do we experience God as Father, especially now in a world where this concept of Father can be a mystery. Well, in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17, the Apostle Paul gives us three ways to align life to experience God as Father. I'd like us just to study those very few passages this morning, and so if you wouldn't mind, before we jump into that, stand up for just a second and let's pray. I'm glad that you're here. I know God has something for you. And I know, uh, I hope you anticipate that. Father God, thank you for challenging us this morning even to get here. I pray that you would uh, give us a good opportunity as we've already had not only a song, but now as we look into your word in this really unique book of Romans uh, written to a church of people just like us to help us to better relate to you and that this morning will be that challenge to experience you as Father and what that means to us. And Lord, help us understand that. So teach us, use this time we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you that as you uh, take the uh, worship folder that you were handed when you came in here, and inside there's a lot of stuff. There's some uh, information about upcoming events, that card that Victor talked about, which we really want a prayer request. So if you wouldn't mind filling one out, we'd love to get that. And then also, uh, there's an outline in there, a blank form like this, or a form like this that has some blanks on it. They're filling the blanks, and the answers will be up on the screen as we go along, but I also encourage you, at the end of the service... Uh, in the lobby area, there are these study guides that we have available. On one side are all the answers to the fill-in-the-blanks and all the extra verses I mentioned. But on the other side, is a, there's some great study questions you can walk through. Many of our life groups go through these. It's a great opportunity to continue the study as we start this morning, looking in Romans chapter 8. And so if you wouldn't mind taking your Bible and open up to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, our wonderful ushers have a stack of Bibles in there, and they're walking down the aisle if you want to borrow one. Just uh, wave at them, and they'd be happy to give you a loaner, and you can uh, turn open to the Bible book of Romans. Found the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, and we'll start, start out that these three ways to align life, to experience God as Father. The first one is to put on a new identity. Look at verse 12 of Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit 
are sons and daughters of God. Those who have chosen by faith to believe, putting their trust in Jesus as their Savior, as we talked about a few weeks ago, now have the Spirit of God, the Christ Spirit, the Holy Spirit with us as a guide, as a helper, as a defender, as a teacher, and as a coach. And though we live in this flesh sin suit where we still desire and our nature, natural bent is to not go God's way, this flesh, after that choice of following Jesus, has no rights. We can resist. We can choose to listen to the Spirit and live and thrive as God intended. We can thrive because we're brought into a new identity. Born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus in, in, in the Gospel of John. Also made new, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, written out there, we're called new, a new creation, brought into God's forever family, called sons and daughters. We're included. Our identity is not uh, that we are messed up or sinful, but our identity is now found in our new family, God's family. So how do we experience this new identity as sons and daughters of God, to experience God as Father? Well, all over Scripture, there's great verses, but I want to pull you to one. Take your Bible and open up to the Bible book of Ephesians. Just keep going uh, east from where you are, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, when you're in Romans. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, again, talking about how to live this with him as father and this this new identity as a follower of Jesus. How do we, what do we do? There's some things that we need to, to put off and some things we need to put on. And verse 22 starts off, put off, uh, off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life that is corrupt, this is verse 22, through the deceitful desires. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're to put off the old self, the old identity, and put on a new identity. To put on, I like to illustrate that, um, and I think I've got just the person to do this. Tab, I see you standing there. He's going, oh no, don't call on me. But I know Tab. Tab, stand up, would you? Yeah, you put off your old jacket. See, look, he already knew. So that's a good idea. Put that off. I want you to, first of all, put this over your shoulder like you're kind of cool. Yeah, like that. So is Tab wearing the jacket? Well, maybe. It not not it could be worn differently, but you know, he does look doesn't he look kinda kinda cool? Yeah. I don't care what your wife says about you. I think you look cool. But uh, um okay, that's that's one way to, to kind of wear that. There's another way. Uh, we can take this jacket and, and uh you know, just kinda tie it around your waist here, to, you know, to kind your hide your rear end. So is is Tab wearing the jacket? Well, kind of, but not how it was designed to be worn, right? It was, if he needs it, it's there, right? It's with him. And yeah, he's cool if he's wearing it over his shoulder, you know, but, that, but what's the real way? So Tab, put this on the way it's supposed to be, would you? Uh, look at that. He instinctively knows how to do that. Amazing. Let me, let me fix the collar. Now you look like Columbo <laughs> or Inspector Clouseau or just some creeper. I don't know. But, but, uh, um, 
But that, that's the idea. And we're to put on this new identity to make it part of us. It's now part of Tab's makeup. It, it, it fits you well. <laughs> you look great. Um, it's raining outside, you know. It's a, but and it, by the way, it's a London fog. You can't take it with you. I need it back. Um, and, but it's, it, 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 it's not slung over the shoulder because sometime in faith, that's what we want to kind of do with our faith. We kind of sling it over our shoulder. Hey, I'm a Christian now. See, I've got the jacket with me. I've got my identity. It's right here. I'm not, it's not, I didn't put it on. I'm just kind of holding it there. Or sometimes we, we look at faith as just kind of tied around our waist just in case we need it. We're just going to go through life, and just in case we need God or Christianity, we'll do that, and well, then we'll put it on. But yeah, what God asks us to do, he asks us to put on this new identity, just to, to, to make it part of us. So what does that mean? Stay standing here, Tab, because I know that you can handle this. But uh, let, Let's read on in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 22. Uh, it says here, here's how we should, what we should do. Uh, here's how we should put on and take off. Let us therefore, verse 25, put away falsehood. So one of the things that we're supposed to take off is falsehood. And let us, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. See, one of the things that we're supposed to do in faith is to have a life of integrity, to be able to speak truth to one another. That's one of the things that's part of our identity. That's one of the things that we wear is a truthfulness and an integrity. Not falsehood, but, in, but a life of integrity. Verse 25 or 26, be angry and do not sin. Now, some people think, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you should never get angry. No, Jesus actually did. Remember when he cleansed the temple? He was ticked off. And sometimes it happens. Now, we're not to sin in our anger. In other words, do something that's, that's against God's law or in any way, shape, or form or to, to harm somebody. But yet, that's one of the things. It's part of our nature. And it says also, verse 27, don't give the devil an opportunity. Here's verse 28. Let, let the thief no longer steal. That we're to not rob from other people. But what we're supposed to do instead, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. See, see the reason we work is not just for ourselves. We actually work so that we can gain enough resources to be able to help other people. You may say, well, you know, that's why I want to retire. I just want to, just want to have just enough for me. Well, maybe God, I mean, not that I'm saying you shouldn't retire, but just say that, that maybe God wants you to earn some more money so you can help send a kid to camp. Or maybe give to some mission work. Or maybe help out your city in some way. That God wants us to keep contributing and not being self-focused, but always be thinking of other people that we continue to earn. And thanks for standing here. Tab, you're still good. Keep going. Um, I got another uh, 300 verses to go through, so it's okay. You comfortable? Yeah, I am too. Uh, it says, verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. And I to put that off. Uh, but only such as good is to, for the building up of others. So in other words, the, the, the thing that's part of this identity that we have in Christ is to build others up. Actually, the word for that is, is, is to edify, to build up. That we're to build up each other, not tear each other down. And do not grieve the, the, the spirit for whom we're, we're sealed. Here's verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So those are things to be put off. What we should put on is verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You get the idea that we're supposed to put on a new identity? Let me take this off right back. Thanks. 
Give Tab a hand. See, that's the idea. This is what, this is what sons and daughters do. They, they wear their identity as sons and daughters. So whose identity are you wearing? It's like working at Disney. You take on their customer service mentality. You wear it. It shows. Or if you work for Chick-fil-A, you are to put on a new identity when you work there. And even more so in life, we are now to put on this identity of God's family and to reflect God's family values, which we just went over. And it is a choice. The flesh says that we should live how we want. No guides, no expectations, just be. But that path does not help us thrive. And actually, as we just read in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, is that it actually leads to our destruction. But God is offering a newer and better life as we put on and wear his new identity. And maybe the reason that you're struggling in faith is because faith is just simply slung over your shoulder. Hey, look, Christian. Or maybe it's just tied around your waist just in case something goes wrong. What God wants us to do is to put on that new identity and to wear it as a son and daughter of God. For experiencing God as Father readjusts life to thrive now and on into the future. For when we wear our new identity, we step into, this is the second point, step into a new reality. Let's look at, go back to, to, to Romans chapter 8. Now we'll be looking at verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. A new freeing reality, not racked with fear, but life in the Holy Spirit where we are adopted and cry out, Abba, Father. Now, this word Abba is an, is an Aramaic word. It's, it's an endearing word that means daddy. It's what a child would call their, their loving father. Christy and I were uh, leading a trip to the Holy Land a while back, and uh, part of that time we stayed um, in the, like, a couple days in Elat, which is if you look at the Red Sea, it goes up in two little fingers on one little coast is Elat. And, uh, um, it's a beautiful resort area. A lot of uh, Israelis go there to vacation. And we were there just enjoying the time on the beach. And uh, this little boy comes running up. And, he, and he's running up to his, his parents are sitting over here on chairs reading. And he's running up. And all of a sudden, you hear him yell, Abba, Abba, Abba. And I'm going, ooh, it's biblical. And, and, uh, and he comes up. And, and as soon as he, the little boy yelled Abba, not every father turned. One did, because he recognized the voice. 
and he put his book down, and he, this big, huge smile came over his face, and he saw his son coming towards him, and then he you know, uh, um, talked about something in Hebrew, which I didn't understand, and it was, it was amazing. And then, they, and then all of a sudden, the, 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 the boy, Abba, Abba, and he grabs his, his dad by the hand and begins to lead him off, and they run towards something, and soon the, the father just kind of scoops up the little boy in his hand, and they kind of hug, and they walk off to, I don't know, see sand crabs or some kind of shell he found. Or, I don't know what it was. And I said, that's, that's the image we are to have of God, our Abba Father. And to live in that reality of God being that close, that attentive, that intimate with us. Because that's who God is. He loves, he loves the sound of your voice. It makes him smile. And he gives raptured attention to you because he loves you like that. And God, amazing as he is, can be personally present with each one of us. See, we're not a bother to God. But God gives us attention. And at times he does scoop us up for us to experience his love. God loves us like the best of fathers. Now, unfortunately, um, we live in a world where we don't have a great number of examples of amazing fathers. The enemy has been really good to distract a lot of dads and to discourage them and to make life hard for them, and it's been tough. As some of you know that I, um, I had not, really not a great childhood, uh, and dad... Um, my dad was just not that present. Uh, he didn't really give me much attention or care or love. Uh, no calls on birthdays, no gifts at Christmas, and very few uh, sincere affirmations. And one incident kind of just sealed it all for my brother and I. Well, probably mostly for me. I don't know what he thought. But I was a young teenager, and um, we hadn't talked to my dad in years. And uh, he finally got a hold of us, and he initiated this. No one asked him to. He just initiated. He said, I'm going to come down. He was living in Alaska at the time, and, and we're living in San Diego. And, and he said, I'm going to come down and visit you boys. And we were so excited. All the frustration of him not being there, the no calls on birthdays, that didn't make any difference because Dad was coming down. And we were so excited. So my brother and I jumped in the car, and we went to the airport. And uh, at those days, you could walk right up to the gate. Uh, some of you might remember those days. So we, we walked up to the gate, and, and uh, we were excited. The plane landed, and, and uh, the, they called in. The, it was coming in, and, and they, people were starting to stream off the plane, and we were excited about that. And We knew not to look for my father in the first ro- uh, grouping of people coming off because my dad didn't do that. He usually sat in the back of the plane, you know, and he waited for everybody to get off, and he would come off after that, and that was kind of his thing. And so we waited. We waited, you know, as, as, a, as the crowds kind of thinned out, and there's one or two people coming off the plane, and we knew, okay, he's going to be here. It's going to be exciting. He's going to take us out to dinner. We're going to have great times. We're going to talk and just enjoy time with them. And we had set up, cleared all of our schedules so that we could be there and just hang out with our dad. And the, 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 pretty soon there was just a small trickle of people. And, again, we didn't think much of it. And, and then there was a long pause with nobody coming off the plane. And then the, then the flight crew came on, and 
we uh, were a little bit stunned and not sure what to think of that and kind of looking around, didn't know what to do or who to talk to. And, and then one of the flight attendants, because pretty much everybody was gone, one of the flight attendants uh, kind of noticed us there and came up to us and said, um, are you here waiting for Ron McKay? And not knowing why he would know our dad, we said, yeah. And, and as, as politely as he could, he told us that my dad had gotten drunk once again and gotten so belligerent that they kicked him off the plane at Seattle. Um, it was uh, super embarrassing. Uh, we didn't know what to do. We just kind of, in silence, walked away and silence in the car the whole time. But I just thought, how incredibly selfish. He couldn't hold it together enough to see his boy. We didn't hear from him for years after. I felt fatherly. And I just longed for someone to be my dad. Well, I was dating a girl uh, a few years later, and she was from a family of adopted kids. Uh, I loved the Erickson family. They were just a whole lot of fun. Mealtimes were exciting, time in the family. I just wanted to be with them, and they took a lot of the opportunities to invite me over and to, to spend time with them. Mr. Erickson was an amazing man, so caring and kind and fun, firm, super smart, um, and I would do anything for the man. I mean, I, when there was time for dinner, I would be doing the dishes, setting the stuff out, helping Mrs. Erickson in the kitchen. I was, you know, with his barbecue. I was there with the, Mr. Erickson on the barbecue, and, and they, they had adopted all of these kids. Some were in foster care at the time. Some he, he had fully adopted, and, and uh, um, there was one time that he was... Uh, they had they had, had so many kids they had to add on to their house and so they added on a big huge family room in the back and he was uh, painting that and I asked if I could help and he said of course you can and so you know I would say hey Mr Erickson can I paint this over here hey Mr Erickson can I help you with this and hey Mr Erickson he stopped me he was up on a ladder I remember this so well he stopped me he said he said Mike why don't you just call me Dad. Um, for a father-starved kid, that meant the world to me. It was like I entered a whole new identity. I, I was accepted. I was affirmed. I was cared about. I wasn't just some kid, fatherless kid out there. Somebody actually saw me and drew me into this family. I, I mean, it, it, it felt amazing. That's what God says to each one of us. He wants to be that amazing father you've always desired of, that, that includes you, that accepts you, that, that affirms you. He wants to be that for each one of us. 
And if you've had that in an earthly father or have had an amazing dad, this is even better. Oh, that we would get that. Oh, that we would sense that. Mr. Erickson saw the kind of the tears welling up in my eyes, came down off the ladder and just, just hugged me. And just whispered into my ear, Mike, you're loved. We care about you. To feel that from an older man and to sense that was just amazing. Ah, that we would live in that reality with our heavenly Abba Father. See, to experience God as Father readjusts life. So we thrive now and on into the future. But, But how do we honor God as Father? Well, to respond to him as dad, to to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's a way we express love to him. We obey him and choose to act towards him in a loving way, to adore him, to respect him, to honor him. For not everyone is a child of God. See, see, yes, all creation, all creatures, uh, we, we all are, 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 are creations under his authority. But he's only given his children the privilege to call him Abba, Father. First John 1.12, but to all who have received him who believe in his name, he gave him the right to become children of God. That is amazing. The God of the universe would look down to each one of us and say, call me Abba. Call me Abba Father. I want to have that place in your life. And if you've received Jesus, you've believed in Jesus' name, you've come to the place where you trust in him for your salvation, God is your Abba Father. We step into that reality. Soak in that reality. It will fill you and change you like nothing else. R.C. Sproul, an incredible Bible teacher and theologian, shared a story of a, of a German scholar who was doing research in the New Testament literature and discovered that the entire, in the entire history of Judaism, all the existing books of the Old Testament and all the existing books of extra-biblical uh, Jewish writings dated from the beginning of Judaism until the 10th century A.D. in Italy, there is not a single reference of a Jewish person addressing God directly in the first person as father. It was all formal, proper, proper phrases of respect, never father or my father until Jesus. Can, can you imagine the scandal? Jesus addresses God as father. We sometimes read the Gospel of John, I think it's chapter 10, and watch how the Pharisees react to that. Not good. How dare you call God your Father? You can imagine the scandal when Jesus says to us, here's how to pray. It's the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 11. How does it start out? Our Father. See? 
God desires for us to have that Abba Father relationship. And Jesus wants to get this new reality of a person, of a personal loving relationship where God is for us and wants for our growth and our well being and our success like a good, good earthly father. And so we can approach him with boldness. Hebrews 4.16 says, boldly approach the throne of grace. In all scripture, God's Holy Spirit, and even deep down in our soul, as verse 16 of, of Romans chapter 8 confirms, God is that Abba Father to us. So is there anything holding you back from stepping into that reality that God is your Abba Father. Let that reality soak in. Let it warm your soul. Let it transform your life. For experiencing God as Father readjusts life so that we can thrive now and on into the future. One more way to align life to experience God as Father. It's to live a new hope. Look at verse 17 of Romans 8. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, as heirs, it means the inheritance of heaven. That when you pass from this life, into the next, if you've come to the place where you believe in Jesus, you have your reservation set. And when you breathe your last here, you will just uh, open up into the arms of your Abba Father. To be absent from the body, Jesus says, is to be present with the Lord. And you have that guarantee. I encourage you, if you, haven't, if you don't know for sure, boy, make sure. But also, this inheritance is a position of privilege now. The position and privilege of our new identity as sons and daughters of God. A new reality that he is our Abba Father. And if it's true of Jesus, which it is, it's true of us. And so we're now to live on in this new hope with confidence. To be brave and, and bold and confident. We're children of the King. Boy, raise your head high. Put your shoulders back. God is your Father. Hey, let me introduce you to my Abba my father. <laughs> See, that's why last week we talked about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. If you get my weekly emails, I did a whole section on being brave. Because see, as children of the king, that new hope, a new reality, we can put our shoulders back and hold our head, high when we, head up high when we go into the interview. Because you're a child of the king. Or when you head off into that new relationship, that new uncharted territory, or that new struggle that you're going through, whether it's medical or emotional or, or <coughs> financial, you can put your shoulders back, hold your head high, because you are a child of the king. You are God's child. Boy, live in that new reality and have that hope that God is with you in this. And that we're not alone. That's why I love Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. And that's those who tend to put you down. We live in a world that wants to suck the life right out of you. 
And everywhere we go, you're bombarded with messages of negative. You're nothing. You're nobody. You can't handle it. You are fatherless. No one cares about you. You're unlovely. Yet God says, no, don't be afraid of them or those voices. Hold your shoulders back and your head high, for you are a child of the king. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So be brave and confident. But this brave and confident life following Jesus, living life God's way, is not going to be without suffering. We live in a sin-saturated world, and there is illness, and there's sickness, and there's struggles, and people violently opposed to God and Jesus and his way of life. I mean, just look at the news. Jesus is clear in John 16, 33, in this world you will face great times, ease, long vacations, good pay. It, it doesn't say that. In John 16, 33, it says, in this world you will face difficulty, tribulation, trials. But even in that, Jesus is glorified, honored, and recognized. And as 1 Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered a little while. Notice it says, and after you have suffered. That means it's probably going to happen at some point. Some of you are even facing it now. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, Abba Father himself, will restore and comfort and strengthen and establish you. Because experiencing God as Father readjusts life where we thrive not only now but on into the future. See, we're, we're going to experience a lot of life-changing opportunities in life. A marriage, a new career, a, a move, a, a graduation, all that bring on a new sense of identity. And yet, God is calling us to a new identity, a new life as one of his. Where we put on, where we wear a new identity as sons and daughters of God. Where we take on a a new reality with God as our Abba Father. And bravely live this new hope, not only of heaven, but now. It's one of God's there where he doesn't forsake and he doesn't leave us alone. See, experiencing God as Father readjusts life to thrive now and on into the future. Do you see God as your Abba Father? Maybe it's time. Will you bow with me in prayer? As your head is bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think for a moment about that phrase, Abba, Father. And is God your Abba, Father? Is he? If so, why don't you let him know that? God, I I see you as Abba, Father. Let that reality soak in through my life. And if not, maybe you can acknowledge him. God, I haven't really 
thought or acknowledged you as my Abba Father, but I do now. I get it. You want to be that dad I've always wanted. You want to be that beyond the wonderful dad I have. And Just let him know. Take a moment and just take a moment to pray. If you haven't yet come to that point where you believe in Jesus, you can now by saying, I trust you. I get that I'm sinful and I need a Savior. And Lord Jesus, it's you. And right here and now, just in this moment, you can say, I accept that. And I'm willing to receive that as that verse says and, and, and become a child of yours. It happens all the time here. And I encourage you, if that's you, then just whatever words you want to use, God loves the sound of your thoughts and just express it up to him. If that's something you do, make a decision. You may, let us know. I'd love to encourage you in your faith in that way. Just, you can email me. My email's on that note page or you can talk to me later or whatever. But let's just pray. I'm going to give you a couple minutes of silence and I'll pray and then we'll move on to some more final reflection. Just take that moment. Abba, Father, it's such a, a privilege and an honor to call you that. I know not everybody can. and I am so thankful that you saved me in every way that one can be saved. You knew of my fatherless condition. And you sent men like Mr. Erickson and others into my life to be those earthly dads, but more than that, you have been that incredible father who I've sensed your loving arms around me, your encouragement, your care, your raptured attention, your, what it seems to me, reckless love, but it's not, it's, it's calculated, and, and yet you have just lavished it on me, and lavished it on each one of us. Lord, help us live not only in that new identity as sons and daughters of you, but also in that reality that you are our Abba, Father. And then, Lord, let us live out in that new hope bravely, walking tall as one of your kids. Help us in that, we pray. Holy Spirit, guide us in that. Thank you for this morning to